So this episode of Local Fatso's is brought to you by Two Tours. Two Tours was founded by Nick and Grant, best friends who did two tours in Afghanistan together. Once Nick was medically retired at 29, he found a lot of relief in medicating with cannabis instead of pain pills. It inspired him and Grant to help more people struggling with similar issues. In 2018, Nick and Grant bought an 8.4-acre plot of land and began building their cannabis empire. They've been working on it ever since. So go to twotours.com to find their Delta 8 gummies and wax, CBD tinctures, and salves, with more products coming weekly on twotours.com, coupon code FATSO. And get pumped for a special episode of Local Fatsos where we take too many gummies and hit record. Two Tours, homegrown by Hero Certified. All right, uh, welcome to Local Fatsos. Today we are uh, really excited to have a special guest with us. We have uh, Tom Shattuck of the great podcast, Tom Shattuck's Burn Barrel, uh, and a, uh, a slew of other media that you do. Um, but before we even get into that, Tom, mm-hmm. I just think it's important that we acknowledge that we might be breaking a record for the uh, the greatest combined weight on a single audio file here with the three of us. I feel screwed, you guys. You guys, you guys are not fat, or not. You're not in the bigs, you know. You're not. You haven't gone pro anyway. This is disappointing. Well. <laughs> I weighed in yesterday at two forty five. That's pretty good. Two forty. Hey, how tall are you? Five eight. Five eight. Okay. Um, but yeah, but that's still not that's not huge. I'm three something and my scale won't tell me. I get an E now on the scale. <laughs> it like goes to like three twenty eight <laughs> and then and then I have to use something more industrial, I guess. <laughs> it's fucking not fair. <laughs> hey, you yeah, need so- like a cattle scale or something. Yes. Or like something for <laughs> aircraft carriers. <laughs> Why is that like? Why the why do the fats have to take that? I'm I'm serious. I'm 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 not. I wouldn't be surprised if some like uh, activist group from the West Coast had scales. No 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 no. You make sure you go to five fifty six. <laughs> yeah, we well, don't want to shame anyone. Oh, that's good. Yes, they have to uh, de- deflate or they have to um, translate it into a smaller number. But, right. There's there's it, like fat weight and then there's regular weight. It is. Right. Oh yeah, fat- they can just do the skeleton. Uh, fat people are the last group of people that you really can make fun of, though. They are the last pe- group of people that you cannot hire simply because they look a mess. Yeah, and because because it's gluttony that does it. And so, like, I look at me and I'm like, you disgusting, wretched thing. You deserve to be beat, beat on and bullied. And like, and now I'm now I'm to the point where it doesn't really matter. You know, I'm 48 now, so I'm dead already, you know, and I've got a family and all that stuff. But um, but yeah, people look at fat people as gluttons. And I would without beer and pasta, I would be 200 pounds less than I am right now because I because I go to a, eat pasta like I'm at a trough because I, I get instant gratification and I drink beer for the obvious reason, because it's freaking awesome and it helps <laughs> helps numb the pain. Um, yes. But you're right. There's no like noble reason. Like this didn't happen because of my days in Fallujah. This happened <laughs> eating over a sink out of shame where people can't <laughs> see me or like sitting in McDonald's on a parking lot, like a parking lot with 800 spaces, finding that my corner, you know, a yes. quarter of a mile from any other car. And then if any other car gets close, I'm like, you fuck, this is my, this is my eat comfort corner. 
This is my time to just shove as many hamburgers as I can into my Yeah, face. this is my t- time to be me. You know, it's <laughs> fun. I was driving with my daughter the other uh, last year and we were coming back from McDonald's and I had, of course, we I, of course, I couldn't not rip open the Big Mac and shove it into my mouth as we were driving. And a piece of lettuce went it, it down my windpipe. And I was like, <laughs> and I was for a second, I was like, holy, sh- this is seriously, this might be it. And uh, and I didn't. I coughed the lettuce up, which tells you, you know, just uh, what a catch I am as a husband. I coughed the lettuce up. What a stud. It was yes. your body rejecting the vegetables is what it was. <laughs> it's very possible. I coughed the lettuce up. But then I thought, man, if I didn't and I died and the car slowly rolled to the ditch, whatever, the cops would freaking love it. There would be so much cell phone video of Fatty with his Big Mac. <laughs> it probably posed with me. <laughs> But so are all the guests going to be fat? I think that's a remarkable, cool um, angle. Like, yeah, all the guests are fat. (laughs) You don't have to be fat, but that's definitely a big, big plus. Like, we're keeping track of the stats. Or you could do fat or fat alumni, you Mm. know, because I've been thin, too. (laughs) But I mean, me, too. I think we're we're all thin alumni at some point. Yeah. yeah, Maybe not Steve. (laughs) Yeah, but, I've, I started out fatter than I am now, and I'm still fat. I'm pretty sure I was born I was in the 95th percentile for weight, and I've never gone below that my entire life. So do you are, do you do healthy stuff? I try. Well, <laughs> I try well, to. Uh, I got a big-ass staircase next to my house that I walk up whenever I find motivation. Uh, where are you guys? Where, where do you live? I live in Oakland. Steve's in Concord. Oh, I'm in New Hampshire, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. and uh so yeah i uh i have like one of those peloton bikes um uh, mm-hmm. i uh i run occasionally but i am uh and i drink i don't just drink beer i drink like ipas and stuff like that and so yeah. it's just it's i i th- there's no amount of exercise that i could do to just stem the obesity tsunami that's uh i'm currently <laughs> yeah those ipas are tough those it's are really tough. too bad how delicious they are I know everything about them. It's not just they're like nine and a half percent as well. So you're, you're also just completely destroying that side of you as well. Yeah, it's liquid bread. It is tough. There was <laughs> yes. only one time in my life when I ever beat it. When, it was, when I was working at an intercom in like 2004, 2005, I would I lived in Beacon Hill. And you know where do you know where intercom is? Are you guys both from are you originally from Boston, Dan? Or are you are you a California guy? I'm, I'm from Situate, but I did live in Alton for a while. I was pretty close to that. Okay, that so you, okay, you get it. So from from like Beacon Hill, where we lived in a in a shithole, not the good part of Beacon Hill. Um, yeah. we, we lived. It was five miles to Entercom, and then five miles back. And every morning, I'd walk five miles there, and I would jog back. And that was the only time in my life where I was beating the house, where I could eat McDonald's every day, <laughs> drink beer every night, and I was still maintaining or sometimes losing. But yeah. that was that takes a little bit of dedication, and then running on the weekends as well. Yeah, and then there's the other problem where all of your joints start falling apart, and uh, you just can't even do that anymore. So oh, it yeah. really does become not drinking beer, which is an awful thing to, uh, yes. to sacrifice. Yeah, there's no like, there's no time wherever where I'm just kind of having one or two. Yeah. I'm either going or not going. Right. It's Once a, you pull the pin out of the grenade. Once right. you pull the pin out of the grenade, it's it's all bets are off. Yes, right. There's there's maybe one out of 50 times where I have one beer. Otherwise, it's zero or 10. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any doesn't make any sense to just have, <laughs> yeah. 
to have one. I actually remember you guys talking the other day about um, watching the Pats sober or watching Brady sober or football sober or some sport you were talking about. About watching the Super Bowl. And there was, yeah, just there was not nearly the stress and all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, I hadn't watched uh, a Pats game sober from 2001 to 2012. <laughs> I never. I actually don't remember any of those Super Bowls, any of the Sox World Series in those times. And a lot of it is is not just booze, and a lot of it is just simply the stress of those games, and like yes. my mind just put it aside and so whatever. But a lot it's of it is a different so, world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of it is drinking too. I mean, the the Pats in their heyday. How could you not be drinking beers with your buddies, enjoying Teddy Bruschi and those you know that those teams? Yeah, just know. win after win. Yeah, yeah. There was only the the first time I wasn't drinking when I was watching the Pats was actually a, I was a. Good luck, because it was a 1 p.m. game, and and my daughter, I saw her put her, she was new, so she was 2012, two years old, whatever. She found a penny in the ground and put it in her mouth and swallowed it. Oh, and I'm like, holy no. shit, and I'm trying to do the thing where you turn the baby over and get a knocker so that the penny comes out, and I'm doing a lot of like, baby Heimlich, and she's okay, really, but I'm like, holy God, Christ. So I had to, I drove her to the hospital, um, and, and, I, um, and I brought her to the outpatient thing, and they didn't find anything, but thankfully, I mean, that usually I would have been semi legless uh, for this trip, you know, but I yeah. wasn't. And then, uh, <laughs> a side note to this trip to the hospital is that when I got there, you know, the lady who does the registration, you know, you have to give her your blue cross number or whatever like that. Yeah. yeah, Admin lady. Yeah. The admin lady for my daughter was fine. She was just, she didn't even feel bad. Of course, cause there was no penny in her because I saw it was seeing things, but, um, but the admin lady was like the most gorgeous woman I've mm. ever seen in my life. This just, just this is a side note of how terrible and <laughs> craven men are. <laughs> so, so I was thinking, looking at the admin lady saying, as far as I knew, the, the daughter still was going to like get blood poisoning. But I was like, wow, this is really like the most gorgeous 20 something year old woman in the world. And I spent those moments trying to get her name off her ID badge to, I don't know what to do, but it's like, you know, you grow up as a guy, I was a single guy till I was 37. You know, there are certain creepy uh, practices that you learn and you never <laughs> really unlearn. So it's like, I took a moment after that to step up back and say, you know, maybe that was um, both horrifically immoral, creepy and irresponsible considering I was there in the emergency with my, with my daughter. That's just my aside. I just wanted to get that out there. Do you remember her name? I don't. <laughs> I don't remember. This? It's probably a good thing. Um, okay. So, uh, so Tom, one of the things that I did want to mention is I remember when I uh, first heard about you, it was uh, in 2019. And it was uh, an article that Kirk Minahan posted that you had written, an editorial in the Lowell Sun. And the title, I'll just read the title in the first uh, two sentences, or the first sentence of this uh, article. The title is, We Deserve a Better Media in 2020. And the first sentence is, As we close out 2019, let us hope that 2020 brings a return to responsible journalism, where news and analysis take precedence over activism and virtue signaling. Hmm. So now, in hindsight, what did we get? I mean, like uh, that was uh, no, it wasn't, no. I think that was a lot of that was on tr about Trini, right? It was, yeah. 
yeah no she's still back at it she's a oh, she, she's so just disgraceful do you remember one time she tweeted when she got on an airplane that oh, i just got on this airplane with my nephew and the pilot's name is muhammad ali yay float like a butterfly sting like a bee you know but what she was really doing is showing us how okay with she was with the fact that he was a muslim you know she's that virtuous that just so you know, I'm really okay that the pilots are Muslim. In fact, I think it's great. That's how good I am. But yeah, the one that you were reading was when she went after some troops. Was it an Army Navy game or something? Yeah, and they gave that okay symbol. The okay sign. That's thing. right. That's right. The okay yeah. symbol, symbol that some nobody decided in 2015 meant uh, white supremacy, white power, or whatever. So, no, I think this, the, the, the broadcast media is done uh, no they, they don't even really hide it anymore you know you have guys like uh wes lowry who uh, he does some broadcast stuff but now he's mostly for with the new york times i think or the washington post and he says that, that it's no longer about reporting facts it's about your truth so it's it reporting it has to be activism about your own truth and that's what's what's happening now and it's but this this last year has ended any doubt now that's just over now it's only I mean, now we're all like nomads just walking around looking for truth in these podcasts. And, you know, and hopefully with your own street smarts and in, in, in sense, you can like glean that you're, that you're not being bullshitted on these things. And that's where we are. Now, the media, the media, you know, obviously, when I work for the Little Sun in the Boston Herald, we take wire stories or sometimes you take. In other words, you take Associated Press stories and you either just run them straight or you can rewrite them a little bit. But those, the AP is completely one-sided, completely. It was yeah, crazy. A complete lack of nuance. Like it's, you have to kind of sift through all of these like uh, keywords that people are using and figure out, first you have to figure out how they're defined for that person, which you're never going to figure out and try to figure out what they're, they actually mean by what they're saying. And a lot of the times it's mostly just choosing a side and just mm -hmm. like unabashedly arguing for that side regardless and, and using whatever words someone else made up in their argument as many yeah. times as they can it's yeah incredibly it's frustrating well it's crazy because a lot of the words are words that should run afoul of anybody I mean, news straight up news stories shouldn't be writing about a president lying lying is has malicious intent they don't know what if what he's saying is inaccurate they can say that or if it's untrue they can say that but lying implies that he's maliciously trying to deceive and what that's a special right. accommodation made for the trump administration now it's gone again biden doesn't lie you know Jen Psaki doesn't lie, according to uh, according to the coverage. I mean, that's dangerous stuff. And no wonder why the freaking countries destabilize. You know, they're scaring the crap out of half of the country. Well, and one of the things that happens up up here that I, I just think is very interesting, because uh, it does feel like we're on the, like today was another beautiful day. It feels like we're on the precipice of summer and life where uh, especially up here in New Hampshire, we're like hurtling towards normality. That's what it feels like mm -hmm. up here. I even hate that word, Steve. The, the normality now is such a fucking Fauci word that I'm like, uh, normality. <laughs> well, it, and, and so we have one broadcast news affiliate up here, uh, WMUR. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an ABC affiliate. And they are still running at the bottom of, of every show this ticker that lists all of the uh, number of coronavirus cases in each town mm. still. And like, and there are towns in New Hampshire that have 40 people in them. And so I, I just don't understand at this point, like, why are we still, who, who's, who needs this information? Who is this helping? Right? Like what, 
who cares about this? And so it just doesn't make any sense to me. No, yeah, but I mean, they're activists. They're all in it. They want to be right behind Biden. It's it's one singular voice. It's number of cases. Be afraid. Be afraid. Still, you know, today the CDC came out and said, you know, still we'd like you to put the mask on when you're inside and there's other people in there, or when you're outside and there's a, a, a larger group, because people can't tell who's who's been vaccinated and who hasn't been vaccinated. So if for for like to give them peace of mind, we'd like you to wear a mask. There's no. I, a year ago, you would have said, "What? Screw! That's craziness." You know, I was taking crap today from um, from Callahan because my daughter, her team, her softball team, they all wear masks, which is stupid. They don't. Yeah. They, they shouldn't wear a mask. But no, no they, they, really they shouldn't. It's very short sighted to make them wear masks. It's, it's much more important to their development that they can emote with each other. Yeah, and actually, and I, it, and I noticed this just as a coach. We, I, I'm one of the coaches of the team is that the girls, this is girls softball, they're 10 years old, they look for validation from you. So when they get a hit mm. and make it to first base, they're looking around for validation. But I'm the fucking mm, thing that <laughs> can't emote at all, so they're not getting any. There's no, this right. connection doesn't Just open happen. your eyes really wide or something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <Just> staple <laughs> your eyes open. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it totally takes away, because I've been, I've been coached to all the kids' sports for years, and this is the first time that, that's like there's no connection there because of this, this idiocy. I don't know. I media wise, God bless the the uh, you know the fleet of podcasts out there because that's that's what we, and well, there's some some good people do Substacks now like Greenwald and I don't know if you guys follow uh, Glenn Greenwald. He's a he's a oh. he's a big lefty. He's a free speech and civil liberties guy. So that has has brought like this craziness has brought some people together from both sides, which is good. Yes, that'd be very nice to have more of that. It mm -hmm. seems like there needs to be a third side. Ideally, everyone's thinking for themselves, but what we could do instead first is have three sides and have some kind of like moderate or like, or just a, a like a, in a different direction, say, as opposed to just either conservative or liberal. Maybe there's one that's like more authoritarian or libertarian or like just a different, different type of dimension. Well, isn't, isn't a third side maybe, and this is like very Jordan Peterson, isn't the third side the the side that preserves and cultivates a spirit of free speech without cancellation? Because that means that's certainly Jordan Peterson, who's been on the receiving end of many attempts to cancel him. And like that's Bill Maher, who's a big lefty, of course, but also believes in free speech. I mean, there are people who there are people out there who what we've talked about so far, they consider violence and they want snuffed out. I'm not 100% sure where uh, Jordan B. Peterson lands because he's not, he's Canadian. So I don't really under, like, you know, as an American, my view of politics is incredibly simple. You're either a Democrat or a Republican. Mm -hmm. Like Bill Maher is a Democrat. So he fits, he can be a, a free speech person who fits into my understanding of politics. But I don't know what Jordan B. Peterson is. He's like a traditionalist, people call him, but he seems to be too nuanced to just give one word to. That's kind of like his whole shtick is that need to apply more like words or like ideas with more resolution uh to the problems as opposed to just using like blanket words like traditionalist but i'm not really sure where he would land like in our spectrum well he's certainly a fan and bolster of free speech discourse and you know uh, you had talked about it in one of the uh, episodes i listened to um about him you know wanting to not be persecuted for for uh, non-compliance of pronoun, you know, uh, right. rules. 
So, I mean, if you start there, that's probably somewhere where we could all find agreement. Yeah, his his issue there was not uh, he. It's not that he wanted to disrespect people or he doesn't consider trans people uh, trans or something. It's more that he has a problem with an authoritarian government telling you how to speak. So that right, is well, like isn't, fundamentally isn't, free speech. Right. And that's a good place. Yeah. And that's a place where I think liberals and conservatives can get together. But yes. radical progressives uh, are not interested in that. They don't want free speech. Well, that's free the speech. oddest part is that he so he ended up being right about that just linguistically. Like, apparently you can't add pronouns to, to languages. It's just not it doesn't happen in any language ever. So he was just right just from a logistics standpoint about the policing of what people say. But even still, how many years later it is now, because that was like 2009 or something, he still considered like, just like the, the trans bashing evil, like conservative guy. And I don't understand how that perpetuates so long. He never, he's never able to shed that. Well, he was, I, I think that when they, when he was encircled by, uh, you know, a activists at the college, I think that was closer to 2015. Because I think Tucker kind of introduced him to the world okay. a little bit. Um, but no, I think people stick with that because that's the most damning label you can get now is right. uh, transphobic. That's right now at this moment, the most cancelable, cancelable, damaging label. So you hear yes. that about Jesse Single as well, who's a who's um, part of the Blocked and Reported podcast, which is a very good podcast. They call him anti. He's a big trans rights guy. He simply expressed concerns about, you know, 15 year old girls having top surgeries without their parents noticing uh, right. or being informed. So he had like he had reasonable concerns about the health and welfare of young trans people. And for those concerns, he was set upon and he still gets set upon. People are trying to cancel him, cancel his book, harassing employers, trying to get make sure he doesn't get to work anywhere. I mean, that the the pro trans lobby you know, you guys are you guys listen to Minahan. I mean, you know what these guys, uh, what these people are capable of, right? Well, and and I mean the same thing. Uh, I read that Abigail Schreier book, and so I thought the I thought the book was interesting. I thought, uh, did you read that book, Tom? I didn't read it, but I, I interviewed her, and I've I know a lot about it. Okay. I, uh, in other words, I I listened to other people interview okay. her, uh, and so I just like I mean, so I thought that her her. Uh, research on the subject was was interesting I, uh, but like she is it, i think that it, they got i think they scrubbed the episode of rogan i think at one time kirk was going to have abigail on and then they just kind of never mentioned it again really? um, so i think that uh you know, just the fact that she wrote a book i mean she's like this this lightning rod it's very interesting that there's uh there's only one side that you can be on here yeah, and but she's also pro trans rights. She also just expressed concerns. So Spotify got scrubbed that. I believe from Rogan? it did. Yeah, that's a big one. Dang, that's that's terrible. She's a she's not like this Yahoo. She's a thoughtful woman, right. a good and thoughtful woman. She's been oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. I think her book sold through the roof though. You know, so she has benefited from this stuff, but. So, uh, so Tom, uh, switching gears a little here, you did mention about how you're a softball coach, mm -hmm. and uh, on the on the burden barrel the other day, you had this uh, this great moment. And one of the things, the thing I like most actually about the Burn Barrel podcast is the utter chaos that is happening around you speaking into that microphone. 
and one of the things that you did was involving uh, your softball coaching duties was I thought uh, something that I do on nearly every single thing I have to do in my life, which is you are, you don't want to go to the softball practice. It's very clear. And so you are looking out the window and you keep on having your wife, Alice, check out the window. What is the weather? I'm looking at the weather. It can't possibly be practice. And so uh, nobody says that like, you know, it, right now the practice is still on. You send out a group text like, boy, it's looking right. pretty bad out there. <laughs> That's right. The just, entreaty. Yeah. Just trying to people to get trying to get people to say like, oh, yeah, it does look bad. Nothing. And so then you say, I think you say another. Uh, and and just the, the the fact that you were incredulous that this practice looks like it is going to go on, I think, was a great microcosm of how I often feel about recording this <laughs> friggin podcast. How I feel about <laughs> doing anything social like it's something it, it's, it's going to have to cancel. Like it can't go, it can't go on like this. So I've, I believe me, I'm, I'm there with you about the podcast. Um, so that one, yeah, about the softball, they were, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much more I could have hinted in a text <laughs> that, Hey, it's not it, the thing said the weather's going to be terrible and they still weren't canceling it. I'm like, geez, what do I got to do? And of course, as Alice thought, the moment I got in the car and drove down the street, then they said, you know what? You're right. It is pouring like the weather said it was going to. They canceled it. But it's, the, the podcast, there have been times, especially when I was working at the newspaper, when I was so slammed at the newspaper and and then slammed with my own uh, family stuff. And my wife works overnights now, a couple of nights at a warehouse. And, and we were just so slammed that it was a cluster bleep that I, I barely got it done a couple of times. I think like last year I had to just bail out after 10 minutes. I was, I can't, I, there was just too much going on, going on. And it, yeah, it is tough. There, there, there were times now it's better since, well, like I said, I'm, I'm free, but it, there are times when it's like, Jesus, Christ. like I've just gotten this done. This doesn't, this done. this is being a rolling cluster bleep. And, and now, you know, here we go. What is there new to say about Dr. Fauci? And you know, what is there, and it, ha you know, it happens every day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So there have been times where I've been like, this is not going to work, not going to work. But with the, I don't know if I've ever not done one, but it's a but it does feel good to to do it, to be able to stick to it. I know it, it is easier. You guys have lives. Are you both um, are you guys both single? I am. I'm married. Stephen is married. You're married. OK, so so I mean, you so you Dan, you I mean, you have an outside world. You probably get some interest in, I assume. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, not the bar, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just so e it's it's really easy to, you know, to blow the podcast off. But um, but I'm trying not to. One of the reasons that I'm trying to stick with it is one, I want to say a bunch of stuff. So when I do have my embolism, you know, whenever it's going to be uh, next week, whatever. So my kids will have some idea with the kind of things that I was thinking of. And also, <laughs> I figure that this that I knew that when this. Uh, lockdown happened and I'd be a total piece of shit. I knew that like there's some people who get a Peloton like you yes. guys, uh, you know, and like use it to learn meditation and, you know, in metaphysical uh, healing. And there are some people like me who will default to the worst possible behaviors possible. It's like, <laughs> hey, of course I'm going to. It's spaghetti and clam sauce tonight. Is a freaking pandemic on, you know? <laughs> and of course, we're, we're um, like you said, like uh, we're drinking, uh, you know, Chimay or whatever beer it is tonight. Uh, the Trappist Monk beer, because, you know, it's freaking pandemic. I mean, how many I could die at any time. 
so it took like uh, so eight I, months for that novelty to wear off that I, I realized I could drink like six to 10 beers a night. And cause I didn't have to like commute anywhere. I could just wake up at eight 30 and just open my <laughs> laptop hung over. Uh, it's like fun. Two hours of sleep. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? And so, so my feeling, and that's one of the reasons I've stuck with the podcast to to keep it. Well, one, I I knew that everybody, especially if you're in media, like I was, that anything could happen at any, any time, and it's good to have a vehicle, um, something there, a platform that I'm doing, you know, rather than just a resume to show somebody. But also, I wanted to do something that wasn't wretched and gluttonous. You know, and so with a podcast, at least I'm doing something where I'm, you know, going through the news, having the conversation and getting something ostensibly productive done. That is something I don't have to be ashamed of. <laughs> so so those are the, the driving forces. And now, you know, we've built up a little bit of an audience and it's and we're getting more feedback. And so there's it's a, there is some validation. And also, I just wanted to have I want to be able to do what I wanted to do. I want to be able to do and say what I want to say in, the own, in my own way and have it out there and be a thing. Just see if, if people dig it, that's great. You know, and if not, uh, you know, that works too. And also, you know, I'm, I'm lucky because I've had like, I'm on with Jerry uh, Callahan and, you know, Kirk has come on uh, a couple times and, you know, those guys I've been in, in I've been in the proximity of important radio people <laughs> i'm not one of them but i've been around them enough so that they'll a lot of them will jump on with me which is you know it helps and it's good to have the conversations and it's good uh you know good promotion and so you uh the the podcast uh it does <laughs> what is what the hell is going on is that a tugboat that wasn't me who was that was, <laughs> is, that that you is that you that was me yeah uh, <laughs> it was a tugboat how'd you guess that uh is it really <laughs> It's just some guy with like no muffler or something. I live under a highway overpass in a tent. <laughs> On Skid Row. Um, so the the podcast is growing. You won the podcast madness bracket. Uh, and you guys are uh, chugging right along. The, the, the shat heads are in full force. Uh, but um, so uh, I guess one of the things that's uh, so two things that I observe about the podcast, they almost seem that they're, they're contradictory. So one, I noticed that you don't have any, you don't monetize, you don't make, you don't seem mm -hmm. to at least make any money off of it. And um, one of the things that I think is strange piggybacking off of that is that you also do scrub any cursing. Uh, mm. So are, are those two things related? Are you planning or planning on and or hoping on monetizing soon? What What's the status with that? So, so yeah, we would like to monetize, but right now, um, we've got some people, some local businesses who want to advertise, but I don't want to take money and not have anybody walk in the door. So for instance, like, uh, there's a, um, health and wellness place, you know, that wants to, to pay us. Um, and you know, I don't know if foot traffic's going to get in there for it. And I, and, and I have a relationship with these people. So it's like, I don't want it. To, I probably should just suck it up and just take it. Even, you know, it's not crazy money. But uh, when I was, I worked with at the Herald, you know, and so in the at the Herald, I ran Herald Radio where we had a bunch of programming, and local businesses in my town wanted to advertise, and so they did. So a, a place that sold wine and beer advertised, and uh, a place that sold rugs advertised, and they were giving us like five hundred bucks a month or whatever, nothing, nothing crazy. But nobody ever came in <laughs> for the money. So I'm walking by the place with my head down, like feeling like an ass, you know. It's 
I guess, I, I, you know, and, and most guys who are like programming content guys are not salespeople. So I, I don't like I don't have the ability to not feel like a jerk. But as far as other advertising, my wife is handling like looking into all that stuff. But we found the, the, the platforms that are that we found so far that are best at nickel and diming, throwing like little 10 cent, uh, sorry, 10 second spots in here and there. A lot of those platforms also have stringent um, rules. So some content they don't want in there, et cetera. So it's been kind of a trade-off. But I figure like if once we maybe double our listenership, you know, we'll look uh, more heavily into it. You know, we're doing little things here and there. You know, I do have a sub stack and, um, and I mean, we sell merch, but it's really just about at cost. It's, you know, we don't, we don't really want to make any money. We're, we're, let me just say it this way. We're in the push content out phase right now. Right. Get the following, the base. Right. Get the following the base and, uh, you know, just grow a little bit more. If there's a we'll probably do some some advertising fairly soon, but we're not at that point where I can just hit a switch and we'd be getting big checks at the moment. It's not it's we're not there. Like Jerry and Kirk were, you know, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you guys listen to Jerry at all? Callahan? On occasion. Yeah, I, I listened. Uh, I listened today. I would say he. uh I would say he's number four in my rotation. So I, I try, I listen to every episode of Kirk. Um, mm -hmm. I listen to quantum week. Do you listen to the quantum week guys at all, Tom? No, but I like that Carano. I like him. Yep. Uh, I, I listen to him. They, both of them have come on this, this podcast oh, cool. uh, in a, in, in the burn barrel. So I would say if I, if I blow through uh, the content there, I'll listen to Jerry. Um, but I, I've said it on the podcast before. Jerry is just kind of, uh, and a little inflexible in his thinking sometimes. And, <laughs> I would uh, say so. And so it, he's got it, one gear. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. Uh, I do appreciate when uh, I do appreciate when there are things that I disagree with. Right. And so I think mm -hmm. that um, to and, and people grow a little like I think I think Jerry today, his his way of growing and showing that he has developed is the the police officer that beat the piss out of that 73 year old lady. He right. Think that he should have a job still like he was like see I'm, I'm even i'm balanced i believe and it's like <laughs> uh so he is he is slowly he's moving the direction though it's it's weird to see that happen or like blind mike making a comment about free speech in one in one you know like maybe 2013 article being called out for it and then saying something like oh, i don't care anymore like there there was an example of that in kms last week or, or two weeks ago where he was so blind mike like, doesn't care about free speech anymore well, it was just like a, a very specific example. I can't remember the example, but it was, oh, it was basically I see. like he kind of switched. He changed his mind because he decided it wasn't that that example wasn't important anymore. Wish I could hmm. remember what the example is, but essentially it's like they're, it's slowly changing like what what we actually view as something that we want to argue about versus what is something that like even on KMS today, they basically said like we've already lost the war. So I'm not I'm not sure like what the context like exactly what they meant there, but they did mention like there's a certain level of censorship that we essentially like, this is just what reality is now. Right. Yeah. The accepted discord, discord has changed. There's no doubt about that. And actually, did you guys hear um, a Portnoy on with Ben Shapiro? No. Dave Portnoy kind of said that we talked about this today with, with Jerry. He said that, um, you know, he said stuff that he regrets. He wish he hadn't said and things around the election as well. And, you know, his own employees, you know, 
pushed back against him. They didn't want him talking to Trump. And there's there are several things they don't want him doing. They don't want him, you know, dictating what they can say about Black Lives Matter or this and that. And it, mm-hmm. it's like he's like looked at the business side of it and said, OK, I'm these go against my principles, but screw it. This is now a business and not my own personality and conscience. We're just going to have to accept it. And I hate it. I think it sucks to hear because that guy busted his ass alone, a one man band with a crappy camper van, you know, throwing around copies of Barstool Sports to you know radio stations and colleges, wherever alone. Mm-hmm. And those kids, spoiled brats who work with him, didn't do a damn thing. Right. And now they get to decide because, you know, the liberal arts schools tell you that speech is violence. They get to decide what he's allowed to put out there for content. It's like that bothers the hell out of me. But it's happening, so you're right. So you're right. Maybe the war is lost in a sense. Well, and I heard. I think I heard Steve Robinson one time say that it's like the war is the the, the war is. Uh, it's not that there's a there's a war on uh, what you can say and and discourse. It's like it's over, and the uh, and the left is combing the battlefield. You know, <laughs> finishing off the survivors. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so I think that that's um, it, it's. Definitely something that is that is happening. So, so I don't agree with. It, there's so, no hey, doubt about that, guys. Guys, we do have two minutes left on this call. Oh, do you want to? <laughs> how much time do you got? You want to do another like couple like fifteen minutes or so, or do we call? It's it? up to you guys. I'd be happy. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm happy going on for another. There's a couple of other things I did want to talk about. If you have okay, okay. so you want to so start a new one? Yeah, let's let's uh, save this recording, and then apparently we have to wait one minute, and then I can send another one. <laughs> <laughs> what Thanks, what a bunch of low we, class broke assholes. Yeah, we were, we were, believe me, I we know the strategy. Yeah, we were like, <laughs> like this morning, I'm texting Steve. I'm like, $150 for Zoom? Are you fucking out of your mind? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not paying that. No, this is the standard way you're doing it right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So, uh, do we just use the same LinkedIn? I don't think so. I think uh, you got no, to start a new one. Oh, you know what? Um, I could st- start a new one to you guys, then it won't know. Okay. No, no, but then it's my recording. No, that doesn't work good. You you guys should do it probably, right? Yeah, let's do that. I'll just have to wait 60 seconds to send a new link. Okay. All right. Thanks, Dom. Okay. You're welcome. (laughs) Usually I'm the one who's drinking on the podcast, Tom. Well, this doesn't count as drinking, actually. Can (laughs) is this going to be video, by the way? Will people be able to see this? Can you blur it out? Good. It's a very manly uh, IPA. It's uh, a yeah. 27 proof. It's not an effeminate seltzer drink. It's basically like drinking a loaf of bread in a can. Yes. No. <laughs> hey, by the way, to answer your question earlier, you had asked about swearing on the my podcast. And the swears go through on video uh, on YouTube, but not on audio. Somebody had mentioned early on that uh, that they try to listen to it in the car with their kids. And I figured, you know, um, I'll just we'll just make that the audio, uh, just bleep the stuff out on the audio. I'm a fan of bleeps. I usually uh, I think they're, they can be funny when done. But um, I am swearing more, but it is uh, bleeped out more. Maybe if we, if we do a Patreon or something like that, it'll be, uh, <laughs> it'll be well, I'll work blue. I do agree that there is probably something to that. Like when the, the, the bleeps do have a place. Uh, the. the Mm-hmm. You know, like there's that episode of Seinfeld where they, they, they keep on swearing and bleeping out everything. Uh, and then, I don't know, maybe it was like freaking Maddie in the morning or something like that. Did the did thing where they would beep out things that nobody was even saying anything inappropriate. <laughs> but they were just, and, it, and it did add a, uh, 
uh, a good layer. Uh, so one of the one of the things I did want to talk about before we do go, uh, and thank you. Uh, so <laughs> just to give a little background of what just happened. Uh, so uh, Dan and I are low class broke ass uh, losers. And so, uh, we only get 40 minutes of record time on zoom. And so, uh, we had to shut it down. And then Tom was, uh, kind enough to wait around for us to reset our free zoom membership. <laughs> well, you put another quarter in the machine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I believe me when, when I was working at the newspaper, we would, none of us would spend any money on the zoom things too, but we were thrilled that the meeting would have to end in 40 minutes back then. But you are in good company. I, you are talking to somebody who has a 500-pound Craigslist free stuff item in the back of his burnt orange Dodge Caravan that's heavily dented. So is it, a, uh, is it, is it the half of a cannon? No, you'll be <laughs> no. But actually, you know what it is? It's a bar from a restaurant, which is precisely oh, what I need. I think. <laughs> yeah. But it's beautiful. It's got the the handrail. I mean, the footrail as well. It's like a legit piece of. Uh, piece of uh whatever are you gonna Our, set up a tab god i hope not i hope i don't i hope my friend doesn't give me a bag of beer <laughs> i just don't Raider is the next step i know I, I and i never <laughs> i had a friend try to give me one of those one time but i was, was like i don't want i already see like my recycle bin already is problematic to look at <laughs> i don't want to know i've killed a keg in a week you know or whatever <laughs> yeah that's the thing is once you have the keg you have to drink all of it in like four days Right. Oh, and there's all sorts of that invites all sorts of good rationalization too. Yes, that's my favorite. Don't threaten me. Last keg, and then I'm on the wagon for a month. <laughs> sure. uh, so, uh, Tom, on the on the burn barrel, uh, uh, it's a. Uh, it, it, we talked a little bit about how there's 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 often chaos going around. There's dogs barking. Uh, there is uh, children climbing on things. Um, and so uh, you you do it with your wife, uh, mm -hmm. which is which is interesting. I when I remember first hearing the podcast, I looked up on on Twitter the burn barrel, and I didn't know who this Alice was. I thought she mm -hmm. was your daughter. Yeah, so, nice, nice. That's a compliment for. Uh, no, it is, and she's a lot <laughs> younger too. So yes, when when we met, I was thirty seven and she was twenty three. Yeah, and nice. I was uh, yeah. Nice. So, in, nice. In, yes, in the guy world, that is a uh, laudable and uh, something worthy of much praise. So, yeah, so I'm 48 now, and that makes her wherever she is now. Uh, but she's a lot younger and much further from death than me. <laughs> and we can all be so thankful. Uh, but so uh, speaking of your, your death, uh, the, there was a great story uh, on the podcast the other day in which so many things about the Shattuck family was revealed. Uh, so Alice tells a story about how, um, you don't sleep in the same room together because mm. there would be, uh, too many humans and other living things causing too much chaos in the room. Right. And so the chaos. And also I'd, because there'd be kids all over me, I'd be slumping off half of the bed and would wake up with some kind of back pain or <laughs> pulled whatever. But yes, that is true. So uh, you sleep in a different room uh, to the uh, hum of your CPAP machine. Mm -hmm. Which is also and a sign that you've made good <laughs> decisions. So uh, in the middle of the night, Alice hears uh, your CPAP machine acting erratically and uh, has made it up in her mind that you, Tom, are dead. 
Yes. He died in the middle of the night. <laughs> and yes. her concern was that the house was so messy that she would have to leave you in that room for several days <laughs> until she could clean it up. Yes. No, that is absolutely, yeah, that is absolutely true. And she was right. And actually, if I died right now, we would probably have the same problem. Although we were making some progress downstairs to clean up, to make room for the bar. So it was looking <laughs> better. But that is absolutely a day in our in, in the life. Uh, even <laughs> even though the, the idea that her first go-to is immediately, oh, yeah, no, he's just dead. You know, it's like, a, it's a little <laughs> off-putting. You'd think that maybe we'd reflect and... She'd come and hug me and say, thank God I had a terrible dream. No, no, no. None of that stuff happened. But uh, yeah, show, that, was the, that was the fear. Is that, <laughs> and it is a fear. There's no doubt about that. Like we've, We have a two-year-old who, well, now he's cool. Now he's four or whatever. But he was not a good person a couple of years ago. And he would hang out next to the street. He would shimmy out of the house where, you know, you can't always watch. And he'd hang out next to the street, like right next to the street, as if he was about to cross a uh, big main street. That we live on so people are slowing down and stopping and stopping and like slowing down and sometimes he'd have like one foot off the the uh sidewalk later onto the street and people get worried and then of course he did it and a cop pulls over and he walks over to the cop and she's like oh she's she's very nice very attractive too just by <laughs> the point <clears throat> but uh that's important though <laughs> but yes so she's very nice and she's like, uh, well, can you take me in to, see, to meet your mom and so you know so now the cop knows where we were and she met my, my my wife and she actually um another kid got out and let a dog out or oh, another time our kid our two-year-old who is who's on the podcast a lot who's who's not a good citizen he was standing in front of our house naked completely naked while uh, uh one of our dogs we have a um jack russell named dave and dave doesn't understand about cars and streets so dave's is running circles in the streets while the two-year-old naked is saying dave come back here come back <laughs> So this time the cops, somebody called the cops on us. So they came, same officer actually, and we were scared to death that she was going to come in the house because not only obviously because our kid was naked out in the front lawn, but also because the house was a mess. And thankfully she ordered us and the kids to come out so she could talk to the kids and evaluate their uh, health, which is always a great position to be in when <laughs> this close to having you know child services be around. But it was all it was all fine, et cetera. But it's a it's a challenge. So like when we when we're doing the podcast and we're up here, anytime they're not breaking in to see their mom, because that's who they care about. Like they like we've been on you guys. We've been talking for 40 minutes or whatever, and they could care less. The dogs come in and out a couple of times, but the kids don't care. But anytime that we're here and the kids are all downstairs, there's at least there's a four year old and two year old who are absolutely effing things up. They destroy everything they can. They eat, throw cereal around, oats around. They've every wall's been written on. It's like, man, that's one of the things. It's like having all way too many little kids is total is just total destruction. So, uh, do you have kids, Steve? I do not. No, soon at some point soon we'll have them. Uh, you don't have to believe me. I'm not advocating for <laughs> well, it. That's a, and that was going to be no. another thing. We are uh, one of our friends on the on the book club. Uh, uh, might be uh might be having kids soon and so you have four of them mm -hmm. and so uh what was your life uh, how different is your life from 10 15 years ago is it just oh so it was totally night and day as a matter of fact like listening to you guys give each other shit just reminds me of my life before this and like you know in the mid 2000s when we oh, we were all dudes in our 30s or in early 30s um 
all living in essentially a huge bachelor part pad going to the Beacon mm-hmm. Hill pub every day. You know, we'd play like ultimate Frisbee out in the on public garden, like during the day. And then, you know, essentially get plastered every night and trying to pick up girls from Beacon Hill unsuccessfully, almost always. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, talking like guys talk. And it's, it's so weird that, that and now, like now there have been times when I've, had since i'm dealing with kids in diapers and shit and all sorts of stuff like that i've been inundated with this you know so there are times now when i have inexplicably inexplicably whatever it is i i have like a child sock in my pocket and like uh, like my underoos or whatever they are underwear like of one of the other kids who had thrown it off at me in the car in a pocket and i was like when i was that's like normal crazy stuff to have. Like when I was like 32, if I had a child's underwear in my pocket, <laughs> that would have been a very nefarious and different story and not cool. But now then it's the like should come. Right, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but now it's like that's just what the, what having kids does to you. It totally it you get just bowled over by all these needs and wants and devious little personalities that have nothing better to do than try to find a way to fucking stick it to you and get what they want. <laughs> and, uh, and no, it's totally different. It's, it's, it's crazy. And, and it's, it's funny because like you guys talk, you guys still talk like guys do like younger guys do. And since I'm not in those circles anymore and I'm not out there, you know, I'm not up there you know, trying to hook up or whatever. It, that's all, all that stuff is over. Is that like sometimes I hear young guys talking, guys in their twenties and thirties talking, and I'm like, it sounds almost harsh to me. I've been so mm-hmm. out of the the dude game, the guy, you know, that uh, like you're hearing some of the language. I went to I went to this um, this barber shop in Melrose where I used to live, and it's run by guys in their late twenties, early thirties, and they were talking about a bachelor par- party, and I'm fucking like blushing the whole time. Like, <laughs> should I should I be hearing this? Are you sure? And it's like, yeah, dude, we're banging this girl. And like, like, oh, my God, I don't I don't think I can play this. Like, I can't hang in these circles anymore. I've lost I've lost the colorful vocabulary. I've lost, you know, I don't have any cool stories to tell. It's like but um, so, yeah, no, it is. It's it's total night and day, total night and day. And I mean, the free like people talk about like wanting to just go out to a bar. That is a pretty good thing. Oh, you can go out to a bar with kids. As long as you're one of those parents who knows I'm not a good parent, you know? So like <laughs> you can be, <laughs> yes, you can be a lot more free if you're a bad parent. And so my wife does a lot of the good parent stuff and I'm still irresponsible. Very interesting. Uh, well, but I say um, have more kids, have just have kids. Well, and I was, uh, so- even though it's a bad move. I think if you do have kids, though, we have to kick you off the podcast. And it goes for the other two guys. Oh, man. If you have See, kids, I, you're you, out. I understand go. that because there's something that makes you no, tamed. You know, once you're like, once your dad, Steve, there's something soft about it, you know? And <laughs> you, seriously, and that was a concern when I started to have my wife on my podcast. I was like, uh, the only concern I had was people would think oh so this is this is the fun coffee clatch with mr and mrs s and you know it's you know know, all those rated g hijinks and it's like shit i hope you know it wasn't gonna happen and it didn't happen you know she's a very analytical um voracious reader so i was like i'll just keep her there for facts and figures and i'll just bullshit you know she seems infinitely uh, smarter than you 
Yeah. No, yeah, she is. I think, yeah, she got a 1570 on her SATs. And I don't know if I broke a thousand. I certainly don't think I got over 200 in math. And also, I just don't have a high IQ. <laughs> I know. I pull. I. I. If you have you ever done, taken an IQ test? No, I was going to ask. So you've had an IQ test, but I think they they stopped doing that for us, right? No, no, they generation. didn't do it in school. In school, okay. all we had was the SATs. Gotcha. But um, all I had um, online, you could take them. So I on like like in like 1998, whatever. I, I like fired up my uh, Earthlink, whatever, and yeah. And went online and started to take an IQ, te- IQ test, and I was fucking failing right out of the box. I got nothing right. I'm like, I'm backing out of this baby and just like shut the computer off. <laughs> I don't want to know the answer. I failed my IQ test. Yeah, it was going horribly. It was like, I don't want to know that I'm a low-functioning human. You know, I have I have an inkling that that might be the case. There are a lot of pictures with my mouth open agape when it shouldn't be in a lot of pictures. I don't need it. I don't need to have it certified in paper. <laughs> Tom, do I remember he- hearing you say that uh, you you wanted to be a musician back when you were? Uh, what what happened about that? So you were you were in Tennessee, yeah. right? You were you were trying to. You were so trying I to went to. Yeah, I was, first I went to uh, right out of high school. I went to um, Newport Beach. Well, yeah, Newport Beach, um, and uh, we did go to Oakland uh, one point in Anaheim, and uh, nice, um, and. I went there to get into the rock and roll scene because, you know, L.A. was big and so forth. And I didn't. I just got high the whole time and I never went anywhere. I didn't know how. So then I went to I lived with my brother who was in the army in Fort Campbell in Kentucky, Kentucky, Tennessee border. And and there just we had a trailer. First, I lived with him on the base and then his sergeant caught us and said, you can't have your fucking brother live in the army base and so we, they made us move off and I, we lived in a trailer and I was unmotivated. I did nothing there either. And then in Boston in the 90s, by the mid 90s, we I had a band and we played a, out here and there, like at the Rat, which is gone now, and uh, um, uh, the Middle East and a couple of bars in Somerville and here and there. And we were terrible. So um, <laughs> so I just finished out my 20s, essentially uh, being in a bad derivative rock and roll band. And then I always thought that, that I try to get into radio, talk radio when or if that failed so when i hit 30 i started trying to get into radio and then at 31 i got into intercom which was rko eei waf at that point and um and then from there i got a you know i got a a media career i kept it's funny because i i wanted to be in talk radio like uh either on air or producer but i kept getting promoted to management jobs Hmm. which of course i hated because who wants to be a manager it sucks right um but eventually, you know, I got somewhere where I could get into a radio talk show and I got on with Michael Graham, um, who was W, who was the big FM talker, 96.9 mm-hmm. in Boston, which also went defunct. Everywhere I've worked is now like a burning ash pile. <laughs> and then from there, the Herald and yada, yada. And I, yeah, I left Intercom right as Minahan was coming in. So I was there with when Jerry was there and, and John and and those guys. And um yeah, my, my music career did not happen. I had no discipline, and um, we always j- just drank all the money we made every night. Me and the lead singer, the other guys Sounds in the familiar. band weren't drinkers. Yeah, the other guys in the band weren't drinkers, so they go home and we just drink whatever. It been maybe a hundred bucks, maybe. Um, yeah, we were children, even up through. I still am in a lot of ways, but up through our thirties, we were not. Just didn't have the drive to 
you know, it takes legitimate hard work, you know, which is a disappointing thing to find out when you're an adult that, you know, my own special aura wouldn't get me places that actually had to have something of worth. So so that is destroyed and broken. I do have my guitar uh, downstairs somewhere and the kids are messing around with it. But that is my sad uh, musical career. So you you were a rock band? We were a rock band, yes, who you absolutely could tell listened to a lot of Weezer and R.E.M., and uh in the beatles and that was pretty much it but we didn't do we weren't good enough to like really play the 90s covers that you had to play like everybody played a little sound garden and um it was a scott wyland band um uh not velvet revolver uh exactly you know those were the must plays at at (laughs) bars at the time uh, if you were going to be a cover band, but we thought we were too special to be a cover band. You know, those are for losers. Too good for, too good for interstate love song. Oh, yes, absolutely. And that was the one everybody had to play. We were too good to go out and play covers. We were really special, and our music would, somebody would discover us. You know, we, were, we didn't have to get in the game. You know, it was total, just moron thinking. But, yeah, no, I spent my, uh, I spent my moron days thoroughly moroned up. <laughs> I seem to remember uh, living in a house in Amherst, Massachusetts, where we had punk shows underneath, like in the, we lived there because it had a basement that could fit a drum set. Yeah, there you go. People would show up and there'd be a minimal amount of money passed around and it all went into rolling rock and weed. Yeah, rolling rock's not bad. A decent amount of my 20s. (laughs) Yeah, rolling rock. A lot of that. Yeah, so what what did you play? I played bass. Oh, God. We could have used yeah. you in the 90s, man. Basses were high dollar merchandise then. Yeah, it was a total. I mean, bass ended up being like a really like a godsend. Like you can get into any band. But I only played it because they started a punk band and I was the worst guitarist. So I yeah. had to switch to bass. Isn't that funny? Up, yeah. And then you end up being like, it's like, oh, you play bass? Oh, thank God. Everyone plays guitar. Yeah, we had a kid. Our bassist used to play. He had a Hofner bass, you know, like Paul McCartney played. Yeah. Fretless bass. And Whoa. he was terrible. So <laughs> he'd never play the right note. It would be. Yeah. It was oh, like, yeah, just play the fretless a, bass. Yeah. <laughs> just get something with a fret. Okay. Like, we're just like, yeah. we're trying to survive up here. <laughs> yeah. It's not cool if your bass player plays the wrong note. It makes the whole band sound like shit. Yeah. It makes it tricky. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> uh, incredible. Dan, do you have anything before we go? That's all I had. That was a great time, Tom. Hey, guys, you know what I liked your show? The other, um, I listened to two or three last week, and one of them, I think, Steve, maybe your mic wasn't working. And for like 20 seconds at a time, 30 seconds at a time, like there'd be dead air. And then (laughs) somebody would say something. And I, I thought I was like, I've been on radio forever where if dead air would would panic you like holy shit this dead air why, why is there why why are we hearing things but i was listening to it and i thought wow these guys are fucking self-confident <laughs> like yeah. they'll either talk or they're not they'll no, they won't talk and Just you can look at each other right you'll deal with it because they'll talk when they're good and ready and i was wow they they just like left again i'm only a third of the way through the podcast and they could this is how they do it they're ultimately like uh self self-secure totally uh like uh total self-confidence i, I like that i know tripped us for that oh did he <laughs> yeah 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 uh it's it's 
everything that we do on this podcast is unintentional. We can never get it to work right. Mm. We're, every time we're we're about to hit the record button, something, some chaos is going on. We have to. We're oh, every time we plan on recording at seven o'clock, it's seven forty-five before the actual recording begins because i have to switch a different computer it nothing yeah, yeah. is ever working um so yeah it wasn't some sort of avant-garde podcasting that we were attempting to do <laughs> <laughs> uh we didn't know until it was posted and one of our friends said hey you know steve's mic is just not working throughout all of this so. and it was also interesting trying to make sense of the conversation where you had just like somebody had just finished saying something and then a minute and 10 seconds later, somebody <laughs> responds to it with a completely different thing. You invented that medium, whatever it is. The question that never happens, you have to gauge the accidental response. Genius. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I guess, uh, Tom, if you have nothing, uh, Dan and I are, are uh, very thankful that you came on. So uh, if you want to hear more of Tom, which you should, you should stop. Just you shouldn't have listened to this podcast in the first place. You should have just listened to the Burn Barrel. Uh, so Tom Shaddock's Burn Barrel. Um, you are uh, sometimes on the Jerry Callahan podcast about once or twice a week, right? Mm-hmm. Usually and, Tuesdays. So. Okay, usually Tuesdays. Uh, and uh, the Substack. So that's uh, you. Uh, you put out one free article a week, and uh, how does? Yeah, that- I think. Yeah, I think it's one a week, one free one, and then two paid ones. But the, you, you know, it's it's worth to get the free stuff anyway. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a, that's my empire, as it were, until uh, the bills come in and I have to get a job, job. So, all right. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for for coming on. I appreciate it, guys. Keep these coming. I think this is a fun uh, fun podcast, and I like the idea of. The ostensible book club, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, talking, you know, you're tethered to the what, what I've heard was tethered to the book club, the analyzation and dissection of uh, of Jordan Peterson. But then, you know, drift off here and there to other stuff. And that's it's interesting. It's good stuff. I liked it. Exactly. Well, the, the first episode uh, that we did the book club, we just actually did try to have a conversation and really break down what was going on. And the next day, my wife was like, that was fucking horrible. <laughs> like, you can't, you just, you can't do that again. It, it was so boring. I couldn't listen. <laughs> so, uh, so with constructive feedback like that, we, uh, we decided to pivot a little and have it a more uh, normal conversation. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that the, the goal, the thing is that, you know, whatever interests you will be interesting to the listeners or not, but either way, if you're going to stick with it, you got to enjoy it. So. I mean, my goal is for the vision of the of the podcast to be controlled by Steve's wife. Ooh, uh-oh. <laughs> Some late round shots fired here. Uh, we got to get back to local fetzos. <laughs> uh, I, would love to, I would love to stay in chat, but uh, I, she is telling me I have to take the dog out. So, uh, all right. Okay, Steve. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. It was fun. All right. Thanks, Tom. See ya. This episode of Two Tours is brought to you by your mom.